You are now listening to the Bishop Stortford Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I've been in some of the desert region around Masada and Engedi. It's barren, it's very dry, it's dusty, it's a wilderness. There's nothing that grows there. And one can quite see how this story that takes place at the beginning of Matthew 4, it, it's just springs to life. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. And the talk today is around the whole issue of dust and taking responsibility in terms of our own lives. This image comes all the way through scripture, dust, um, sand, clay, earth, and just a slightly uh, a bit of a background. Let, let's take something now from Job, for example. Job 42 verse 6 says um, how Job repents in dust and ashes. This whole thing of repentance for Job is about, um, or for all of us, is a lifelong process of personal uh, change that needs to take place. Uh, a doorway, really, this whole thing of repentance into a renewal of every aspect of our lives and in essence that's what this whole imagery of dust as we go through it will begin to show our hope now in the scripture there are two sides to this imagery in psalm 22 verse 15 it talks about the dust of death and the sense of desolation decline into death that dust is the way that we are going. There's the sinking down to dust from Psalm 44. Dust to which we shall return, essentially. And so there is this understanding that when things are dry, when there's a wilderness, it comes back down to the issue of dust and death. That's the one thing. The more positive side starts right in the beginning in Genesis chapter 2 when God forms man out of the uh, dust of the ground, as it says in Genesis 2. Now, it's interesting for me that in, in Genesis 1, in the beginning of the creation story where God is doing this and there's the first day and the second day and so on, it says, and God said, let there be. So all of these different passages that come through Genesis 1 are about God speaking and saying, let there be. When we come to the way that it's described in Genesis 2, there is much more of a hands-on sense that God formed man from the dust of the ground. This isn't just being spoken into being. It's almost like God takes the ground up and begins to shape man and then breathes into him his breath. We're made from the dust. And that imagery of dust as being something um, in imbibed in invested with God's um, life and breath if you like comes further on when Jacob is blessed by God and it says that you shall be like the dust your your descendant shall be like the dust of the earth in Genesis 28 and then if you go all the way through and take up things like in Isaiah 43 verse 19 where it says um, I will make a way in the wilderness rivers in the desert the dry wilderness wasteland will become a gateway for fresh new hope. 
And so repentance dusts this gateway into a fresh beginning are some of the images that we'll come to today. Further on in Genesis, in chapter 3 then, we are reminded after things have gone slightly wrong, more than slightly wrong, that we are told to remember you are dust and to dust you will return. And so today we're remembering that we are dust, both in the sense of our failure, our sin, our needing to acknowledge that, that we are winding down towards death physically and how our lives actually are easily turned into um, a wilderness if we move away from God's purposes for us. But then also to remember we are dust is to say, yes, we are dust, but we are shaped and formed by the potter's hand and we are made in the image of God. He forms us out of this dust of the ground, and he's the one who breathes into us. So back to Matthew chapter 4. What I would like to do is to have each of us see ourselves into the story. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of a background in terms of how it would have been viewed by the readers of Matthew's gospel and Matthew himself. It's about how God has struggled not just to form man from form man from the dust of the ground but how he struggles to form Israel out of the wilderness that they have found themselves in for 40 years after they've come out of Egypt and so we we want to see the imagery of the individual man yes you and I but also the sense of community and Israel the community being formed from their wilderness journey following the exodus out of Egypt. And Matthew, I think, wants us to have this in mind when we read about Jesus and the temptations, because it has to say something about you and I, uh, not only about Israel or this thing that Jesus did when he was in the desert. So central to Israel's sense of identity and who they are is this whole exodus out of Egypt and their journey that follows through the wilderness. In fact, most of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, are taken up with this whole story, this journey. It, it's key to understanding how they formed and how God forms them into the community, the person that he wants them to be. So when you look at the story of the Exodus in those books. And when you see the retelling of it in this, several of the Psalms, we won't go into any detail today because we haven't got time, but when you look at some of the Psalms, 78, 90, various others that talk about the way that God formed his people Israel, it's not exactly a happy story. It's a story of constant testing and the covenant relationship that he has with his people being... Um, tested, maybe the temptations if you like, that Israel systematically fails, one after the other after the other. So again, there's this whole um, sort of image that I talked about right at the beginning about the, the negative and the positive side, that there's this constant falling away that takes place with Israel in terms of their relationship with God. But there's his constant faithfulness in terms of looking after them and caring for them. And so God 
we see him working with the, the, the dry dust to form the individual human, Adam, but also to form the human community, Israel. And from both of those cases, we know and we see and we, I suppose, can identify with our own lives that dust is, maybe we should say, recalcitrant. It actually crumbles in the hands of the creator. It doesn't actually end up um, being faithful. And that's why I say when we look at this, we're looking at our own lives at the same time. So the story of Exodus, the book of Exodus, is Israel's wandering through um, this wilderness land and it clearly demonstrates the kind of damage that uh, sin has worked in God's good creation, this, these people that he's forming. And it, it, it uncovers the, the extent to which we need a new beginning. And the story of Jesus' temptation in the New Testament dramatizes this kind of redeeming activity of the Savior of Israel that brings about a new beginning. And we watch as the divine craftsman, the creator, takes the clay, the slippery clay of his human creation. And I'm hoping that by now you're getting the imagery that we get from Jeremiah when we see the relationship between Israel and uh, God in the wilderness and Jesus and so on. In Jeremiah 18, this is what it says. I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands, and he reworked it into another vessel, as seemed good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as the potter has done, says the Lord. Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. That's Jeremiah 18 from verse 3. Now, the New Testament story of the temptation in the wilderness is, I think, a direct continuity of the story of Israel in the desert. And just as the clay remains one and the same clay in Jeremiah's parable, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the human man, it's the, the community, it's the new man, and in Jeremiah's vision, the clay is reworked and made into another vessel that seemed good to him, as it says. And this new vessel, I think, um, looking forward then is Jesus, and even further forward is the church, you and I, as the carriers, the bearers of the image of Jesus. And when the psalmist looks back on Israel's wilderness years, um, and as I said to you in some of these psalms that we looked at, and I said we would look again at Psalm 78 a couple of weeks ago. Verse 40 and 41 in Psalm 78 says, How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. Israel, just as Adam rejects God's rule his lordship over him and wants to take the fruit. So Israel rejects the uh, plan and purpose that God has for them and constantly over and over again. And even after the kings, we see 
the unfaithfulness of Israel contrasted with the faithfulness of God. And that's the same still. It's still the same. And we, 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 we recognize, I think, I'm hoping that you begin to recognize that I'm not talking about only Adam or Israel. I'm talking about you and I. Now, the, 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 the pot is easily spoiled, but in the potter's hands it can be remade into whatever purpose he has. Hosea is another one. In chapter 2 of Hosea, also around about the time of Jeremiah, 8th century before Jesus came, what, what Hosea promises in chapter 2 is a second chance, this being able to be remade, um, that God, because remember Hosea was married to a, an unfaithful spouse as a parable, quite a dramatic parable. But Israel is that unfaithful spouse. Israel, you and I, a second opportunity to undergo a wilderness experience. And in this particular occasion, to then remain faithful. And so the renewed desert journey, there's a, there's a, there's a re-going back around into the desert of the, of the pot being broken down so that it can be remade. Hosea says this, Therefore I will now persuade her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There she shall respond as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. So what Hosea is saying is that God is going to give the opportunity to be in the potter's hands again and to be remade into something that will be special and precious and right and faithful and purer. And so he promises a new covenant between God and his people, that the relationship between them being rebirthed and becoming as close as a husband is to his wife. God is at work, um, and it's his initiative, not anything that we set up or actually do. And actually Isaiah also has the same kind of imagery. He says, in the wilderness, prepare way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It's Isaiah 40, a well-known passage. The desert journey is going to take place again. And this time it will take place not in um, the kind of idolatry and rebellion that there was as they came out of Egypt the first time, but in righteousness and faithfulness and justice, in mercy and love. And the end of chapter 2 of Hosea uh, reiterates that. So when we see ourselves in the situation of the temptations in the desert or the wilderness that Jesus goes through against the backdrop of the Old Testament, the Isaiah, the Hosea, the Jeremiah, and so on, the Psalms, we begin to see that what Matthew is doing in his story in the gospel is painting a picture of Jesus himself as the one in whom this prophetic promise of the return of Israel to the wilderness um, and the journey back to faithfulness to God is going to take place. In other words, Jesus, as he moves into the desert, is reenacting the kind of exodus and the temptation, and he himself is the new Israel. It's by his activity that the desert period 
for the renewal of human relationship with God and our Creator can come about. Uh, and it's His initiative. So it's all, it's all sort of interwoven, and our place in the story becomes more apparent, I think, um, that we are uh, those on whose behalf Jesus himself in the wilderness is opening up the possibility for a new relationship. And it's founded on his faithfulness. So we're invited in to a restored sense of community that God has founded on his faithfulness in going into the wilderness and facing the temptations, same temptations, and we're not going to go into that now, but of of the, the, the issues that Israel faced in the desert. And, and Matthew kind of drives this home uh, when um, talks about often things being fulfilled by Jesus. Immediately after Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, Matthew tells of the slaughter of the newborn children carried out by King Herod. We looked at that a little while back. And the subsequent um, flight of Joseph and Mary and Jesus to the safety of Egypt. Um, and, and, and Matthew in chapter 2 says, This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. And so Matthew is not even, um, he's not even being subtle about this. He's saying Jesus is the one who comes out of Egypt. He, he is the exodus. He is the new Israel. It's the beginning of the new exodus, this whole desert place that Jesus has gone into. And his, his act, action and his faithfulness in the desert is a manifestation, if you if you like, of the faithfulness of Israel's God. He's basically saying, the Father keeps his promises, and I will open the door for you to experience those promises. The clay of Israel is being reshaped to become a new Israel. And the new Israel is... Jesus and we participate with Jesus in that new Israel. We become a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter understands this. That's 1 Peter 2 verse 9, that we are the ones who have been shaped into a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. But it's not because of our faithfulness. It's not because we've overcome the temptation. It's because he has. We are just dust, and we must remember that we are dust. We are clay in the potter's hands. And so when we hear Jeremiah saying, Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as the potter has done? What we are witnessing is the fulfillment of all of this in the person of Jesus his obedience journey through the desert, through the dusty place. And it's more than just reshaping the pot. It's more than just redealing with the broken uh, uh, promises that Israel has failed to keep the covenant that he made with her. This is the renewal of the whole created order, and Paul alludes to this in, in Romans and other places. We haven't time to look at that. But it's a restoration of, of the possibility of 
intimate relationship between God and his, the whole of his creation, including you and I. And I think this understanding of the temptation story comes out quite clearly at the end of this particular story, where he alludes again to the whole thing of what happened in the garden, back, back to the creation of Adam, where the devil is shown as fleeing um, and, and then in, in this particular sorry in this particular passage in Matthew 11 it says at the end that the devil flees from Christ and suddenly angels came and waited on him where the first parents were driven out of the garden the angel of God was sent to expel them from paradise it's exactly opposite in a sense in in this particular picture it's the devil who leaves in the in the early picture and the angels minister to jesus in the early picture it's the it's adam and eve who are expelled and the angel um drives them out let me end by going back to something that i spoke about a little while back in john chapter 8 the woman uh, who comes to Jesus at the well. And I don't want to go into all of that again now, but um, not the Jesus at the well. What am I talking about? Um, John chapter 8, where he they bring this woman to Jesus who's been caught in the act of adultery. Um, when we look at that whole passage, what happens is that there's the confrontation between Jesus and the Pharisees. And then what does he do? He stops and he draws with his finger in the sand. And I'm, I'm perhaps saying to us all that when we understand that we are dust and shall return to dust, both in the positive and negative parts of what we are created as, and that there's this new creation that takes place in Jesus, he says to the woman, I don't condemn you, don't go and sin any longer. And so there are all these images um, cross-pollinating each other, if you like. But the point really is this, that we, have the, um, we are the recipients of this incredible grace, the way that Israel was reformed in the potter's hands in Jesus. And we are able to enter into the relationship that Jesus has restored with the Father. And he says to us, go and don't sin anymore. Live in the fullness and the goodness of it. Just in, as in Leviticus 19 at the beginning, when he's telling Israel to, to live well, he says, be holy because I am holy. I'm getting carried away now. But the point is, at the end of all of this, where do we find ourselves in this story? Are we, we understand that we are clay, that we are sand, that we are dust, but are we supple in his hands? Are, in, are we clay that he's constantly remolding? Or have we become hardened, dried out, barren? And so as we reflect on these things, as we move towards the Good Friday and the Resurrection Sunday event, it's good to resituate ourselves in this whole process. God bless. I'll see you at the cafe on Sunday.